www.gardenadvice.co.uk for all your gardening needs. Hello again and welcome to the Plant Advice Gardening Podcast with me, Richard Farrer. And me, George Manford. Hi, George. How are you doing? I'm not bad. How are you, Richard? I'm doing well. Really good. Did you enjoy Chelsea? Yes, yeah. Really enjoyable day. Your first visit to Chelsea as well? Yeah, never been before, as you say, and uh, yeah, looking forward to next year. Well, I hope so. I had a thoroughly good time. I'm certainly looking forward to next year. It seems a long way away now, but it'll certainly creep up on us. Before we went to Chelsea, I remember us talking about the wind we were having. We seem to have had a lot of wind this year, but also just before Chelsea, we had an incredibly dry patch as well, didn't we? Yeah, that's right. You know, the the weather has been strange, isn't it? We've been having some really big downpours in the last couple of weeks in this area, haven't we? It's gone from one extreme to the other. Yeah, much needed rain, though. I'm sure the plants really appreciate it. But how do you think that will affect the growing season with the plants and certainly harvests for the fruit and vegetables, having had such a dry spring and then a huge soggy June? Yeah, for some plants it's a bit too late, I think. Um, Some crops will have been ruined, but others will recover. Well, I guess plants, they're designed to survive. That's in their genes, isn't it? That's right. I mean... uh... I was given a, a pot plant gerbera by someone the other day that they wanted me to try and rescue, and it's a lot looking a lot better now. It completely dried out and looked totally dead, and I just soaked it for two or three days, and now it's in full bloom. Yeah, we had a bit of a problem. One of our aces, Acer palmatum, we've got in a pot in the front garden. In the dry spring, I think we neglected it for a little bit too long, and all the leaves on the top crisped and burned. It looks like somebody's attacked it with a blowtorch. But it seems to be bouncing back. There's a bit of sign of new growth coming through. Oh, very good. Yeah, they're, 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 they're not easy to grow, aces. It's not just about the watering. It's about where you grow them in terms of the amount of exposure to the wind. And also, I wouldn't grow them in the full sun. They don't like the full sun on their leaves. That will soon frazzle the leaves. Well, the location we've got it in is quite shaded, but I think this year we seem to have a lot more wind than I remember in previous years. Yeah, it's been very windy, isn't it? Well, that, of course, doesn't help with plants because they dry out a lot quicker, don't they? Yeah, the the water obviously evaporates from the leaves and in windy conditions it evaporates faster than the roots can take the water up. So when it's dry and windy, double doses of watering. That's right, yeah. (laughs) Well, we were talking about Chelsea... It seems to be the mad season for gardening shows. Following on from Chelsea, I attended the BBC Gardeners World Live at the NEC, which was also hosted with the RHS. Uh, A different type of show, a lot more trade stands, but a few nice gardens and, again, a large marquee. I also went to the Peterborough Agricultural Show, which most of you will probably think, well, what's that got to do with gardening? It actually hosts one of the second largest orchid displays and shows in the UK, the Peterborough International Orchid Show. It had about 50 trade shows and a lot of amateur orchid societies displaying their wares, and some of them were absolutely stunning. Now, orchids have a reputation for being difficult to grow, but is this deserved, George? No, not at all. It's more about the people that grow them, Richard. You've got to do a bit of research before you try and grow an orchid. If you think about the conditions that most people try and grow them in, they're in very dry, warm living rooms. Now, the warmth is not the problem, it's the humidity. The air in a living room is extremely dry, and a lot of orchids come from a 
rainforest environment where the, the atmosphere that they're growing is very humid. So they're not difficult to grow, really. It's I suppose it's the, uh, the central heating is probably part of the problem in, in our modern societies, and it dries things out. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing to do with most orchids is to stand them on a large saucer of pebbles and to keep those pebbles moist all the time. Good idea. Well, we've got a, a couple of Phalaenopsis, which I believe are the easiest to grow. We've got them on a east-facing window, so it gets the morning sun. It's in a little uh, hallway, so it hasn't really got much radiator heat coming in. And they seem to do very well, actually. We've done remarkably well with very little effort. And do you feed them regularly with specialist orchid food? Not really. I think if we feed them with anything, we probably feed them with tomato feed. All oh, right. OK, well, that's a good advert for tomato <laughs> food, isn't it? <laughs> it is indeed, yes. I'm not sure we'll get many tomatoes from them, but hey-ho. Well, we talked about Chelsea, we talked about the mad season. The next gardening show in the calendar was Hampton Court. Uh, and just last week, I was lucky enough to attend the show. It's 33 acres. It's three times the show uh, size of Chelsea, and this is the largest gardening show in the world. A completely different beast to Chelsea. Chelsea is more like a fashion show for flowers and gardens, whereas Hampton Court's a bit more rooted in reality. A lot of the show gardens and displays are slightly more achievable for your average gardener. When I was there, I was lucky enough to speak to Chris Beardshaw, garden designer who designed the Stockman's Retreat, which was a garden done in conjunction with the World Skills Organisation, in particular UK Skills. This is what Chris had to say. Hi Chris, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, very good. It's, um, it's a warm old day at Hampton and it's been warm during the build of the uh, garden as well. It's, in fact, we've heard one of the nice things I think about Hampton is that... Um, Irrespective of what the weather's doing elsewhere in the country, you have all your seasons all in one go at Hampton Court. And we've had hail, we've had thunderstorms, we've had torrential rain, and then we've had scorching hot sunshine. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting place to build. But it's a lovely place to build because, of course, you're right in the middle of the Royal Park, so you've got plenty of space. And if you get a bit frustrated building your own garden, you can always go and peep over the fence and look at the deer grazing in the parkland. But there's a few times we've been here recording rain showers towards the very end, so it's a lot better today. What's your inspiration for the garden you're displaying here? Well, the garden here is all about training. It's a, a process um, which is called UK Skills. And UK Skills is a, an enterprise which is a government-funded enterprise. And it's trying to really raise the profile of, I suppose, what's best described as an old-fashioned apprenticeship. The idea of taking young people and giving them um, a really high skill and providing them with a really good base from which they're able to progress professionally. There are all sorts of um, skills involved in UK skills. There are about 50, in fact. Um, everything from robotics through to um, makeup, through to hair design, window dressing, and of course, landscape gardening is, is one of them. And what we wanted to try and do was to um, really celebrate the fact that not only do we have this initiative, this apprenticeship initiative, but also every two years, what happens is the world of apprentices get together and compete against one another. It's a competition called World Skills, and that's taking place at Excel in London uh, at the end of, uh, sorry, the beginning of October, the 5th to 8th of October this year. And um, as a part of that process, the landscape gardeners are expected to build a seven metre by seven metre garden, and there are 50 countries involved. All 50 countries build essentially the same measured garden from the same range of plants, the same range of hard landscape materials, and it's te they test it, they're tested against one another. And um, so 
I was asked if I would come on board with a view to ensuring that our guys perform well at World Skills and provide some of the horticultural information. And uh, so my role here has been to use this as a training exercise so that they are able to have the experience on a very large scale. I mean, our garden here is about 25 metres by 18 metres. And I wanted to use the same habitat types that they're ultimately going to have to construct in the World Skills competition, and that's to say deep woodland, dappled shade, aquatic margins, meadow and domestic herbaceous, to take those areas of garden or habitat, if you like, and to blow them up onto a large scale, hence the size of the garden, uh, to allow the guys to really refine their skills and hone their skills. The principle is that if they can do it here on a very large scale, when they come to do a seven metre by seven metre garden, it should be easy. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the theory. We'll, we'll have to wait and see until October to see whether it works or not. And, and have you used their skills for, say, the dry stone walling? Well, all of the products that you see in the garden have been done um, with not just the, um, the, the guys who are training, but also their trainers. So, for instance, when we're doing the planting, when I'm working with the, the planting advice, what I do is to um, use the trainees and I'll show them uh, the principles of planting design and talk about why the plants behave in particular ways in terms of competition and poise and texture and form, explain to them the theory do a little showcase for them and then ask them to see if they can repeat it and then embellish it and then we review what they've done and then we do the next piece and the same is true with things like the stone walling you can see we've got about 20 meters of dry stone walling which is quite technical in terms of the piers and so on um, and exactly the same there a mentor came in who is uh, an expert dry stone wall in fact two expert dry stone wallers with their um, students and the student was then asked to to repeat and the landscape uh, guys did really well in that. We've also had um, bricklayers involved in building the, the structure at the back, you can see, um, and they went through the same process. Um, the stonemasons, you can, if you can hear a kind of tap, tap, tap behind you, uh, it's the stonemasons doing the carving. They did the carving of the four sculptural balls through the site. Um, so there are about four different skills involved in the creation of this garden, mentors and their students. That's brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time, Chris, and uh, I hope you do well in the judging. It's a pleasure. So there you go, George, you've heard the interview with Chris. What, what did you make of that? It was very good, wasn't it, Richard? He gave you a lot of information there. He did. Yeah. He was a really nice chap, a gentleman. Yeah. Um, will you like to go next year? Oh, oh absolutely. I, in some ways, I prefer Hampton Court to Chelsea. It's bigger. It's not as highbrow. You certainly don't see the same celebrities. But it's a bit more for gardeners, real gardeners, I suppose. And I did like Chris Beardshaw's garden. Something about it which is quintessentially English. The planting is very natural, very sort of English country garden. And that appeals to me. Not everybody's cup of tea, but it appeals to me. Yeah, and what other plants did you see at the show? Anything you particularly liked? There's always the rose tent, which is quite inspiring. There are a mass of roses, which are beautiful. There's a, a show this year on eucalyptus for the first time. I've got a eucalyptus in the front garden, a standard gunny eye, and it could grow huge. We have it crowned off every year. I really like the tree. Beautiful bark, lovely foliage, lovely flowers. I didn't realise how many different varieties of eucalyptus there are. Yeah, yeah, the, the koala bears love them all, Richard. Yeah, I don't think I've got many in my tree, though. Probably a bit cold <laughs> for them here. Well, I think that's about it nearly for us. George, if you've got one thing to recommend for people to do over the next couple of weeks, what would it be? Sit in your garden and enjoy it. Ah, amen to that, with a large gin and tonic. <laughs> well, thanks very much for listening. It's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me, George. Goodbye. 
podcast was brought to you by plantadvice.co.uk for all your gardening needs.